Pride Nation 101. Welcome to Pride Nation 101, queer voices, music, opinions, and lives. From Highway 101 to the world. I'm Roland Corey Medina. And I'm Chad Oliver Swimmer, coming to you from the unceded land, now known as Casper, California. Welcome. Today on Pride Nation, we're going to take a trip back over the last year of this show and hear little snippets of conversations with people we love, and we'll listen to the music that they've recommended for us. Hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Hey, Roland, what do you think about our new soundtrack? I am in love. Nice. Kind of makes us want to go out to another queer prom, doesn't it? I could go out dancing in the backyard with this music. <laughs> yeah, well, straight from South Africa, some South African house. Don't you mean queer from South Africa? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, my, my guess is there's queers everywhere. <laughs> Let us start in October of 2021 for my Zoom conversation with Pat and Applesauce from the Tree Sit Village up in so-called Humboldt County, California. For context, we're going to start off hearing from Applesauce and then Pat about how it feels to live in a village of 15 different interconnected tree sits where everybody who's up there is queer. And many of them had spent up to a year and a half living most of the time there. I feel really grateful to be in this network of people who are really taking our... Hmm, we have we have very expansive practices of queerness. It's just really amazing to be able to live in these ways where we're really finding out how it's possible to be people and to be people who are empowered to live the ways that we want to live and relate to each other how we want to relate to each other and do it with a lot of compassion and care and come together harmoniously and empower each other to just be ourselves together and really depend on each other and support each other in powerful ways. A village here, and we really are, we're, fi- we're finding new life ways together, whether that means like what kinds of relationships w- we have with each other or what kinds of schedules we live day to day, what kinds of foods we eat, what kind of rituals we practice together. And, and I wish for that for everybody to be able to really get to play around with how we can be and who we can be and feel empowered and encouraged and supported in that. Historically, like often the only like dedicated space accessible to, to queer people has been like bars. Mm. That's cool, and it's been like I I'm, can only imagine it's been like a a site of liberation for like a lot of people, especially with an absence of like other spaces. There's not even like a gay bar in Humboldt County, like cause it's super rural. Like maybe we are the gay bar. Like we might be the closest thing to like a dedicated queer space. What kind of queer space can we envision beyond like places where we just like drink? <laughs> yeah, to be to be doing it sober is really great for those of us who who choose to live that way. And to, yeah, I don't have to 
go to a bar to find the freaks that I want to be with. And some of you will remember this next song, Dozers Come, an original written by Pat and performed in the Trinidad Post Office. When the dozers come after agencies approve and the contractors aside, when the company moves in, then we go to the front lines. When the dozers come, For the letters have been written, but the agencies ignore the certifiers are greenwashed, just an excuse to clear-cut more when the dozers come. And we haven't many pennies, but we've hearts within our chests, and if you want to cut this force, that'll be cutting us as well when the dozers come. The previous was all originally recorded for our show, Disquiet on the Western Front, Voices of the Forest Resistance, Conversations to Cool a Planet on Fire. Because of this episode, Alicia Bales of KZOAX asked us to do a Queer Issues show, and we originally were going to call it Queer Nation 101. Here is the prospective intro, which never got used, probably because we're not actually industrial goth punks. You have registered for Queer Nation 101, 2021, intensive debate and discussion on queer identity in the post-Trump era, episode 1. Queer identity in the post-Trump era. Peace up, peace up here, intensive, eight and... Queer Nation, Queer Nation, post-Trump, Queer Nation. Queer Nation, Queer Nation, post-Trump, Queer Nation. How does that mean anyway? Do I look good? Like, what the hell does that mean anyway? You have registered for Queer Nation 121, intensive debate and discussion on key identity in the post-Trump era, episode 1. And FYI, we are not confused. And FYI, we are not confused. Actually, thinking about it now, it took me so long to figure it out that I knew I wanted to be things and do things that a boy was doing when I was four, when I was five years old, when I was three years old, from my youngest memories, I remember thinking, I want to grow a beard. I want to play basketball and be a boy. I want to do all the things that the boys are doing. And my sister, one of her arguments was, well, you can do those things that the boys are doing, but you just, you don't have to be a boy to do them. And I said, no, that's not the same. That's not scratching the itch that I so desperately need to be scratched. <laughs> I want to be a boy and do boy things. Just in case you weren't sure, that was Roland Corey Medina. Now we have Barbara Wexler and Sarah Malpin on marriage. And we decided to elope on our road trip, right? It was our kind of way of sticking it to them. <laughs> I went online to find all these officiants in Moab. And honestly, I went through the list and whatever name I liked, I figured, okay, here goes. And I called them and said, let me tell you our story. She paused. There was a big silence. And she said, well, you'll be my first. Nice. So she turned out to be wonderful. Yeah, she and was great. We met her for coffee right after we had gotten our uh, license. And the next day she said, well, I know a beautiful park. And we had our two dogs. 
but they couldn't be witnesses, unfortunately. He had brought one friend and realized we need another witness. So we looked around the park, so we see this lone man, so we go up to him. The officiant went up to him. Well, the officiant went up to him and said, "Uh, could you come be a witness for us? And he kind of looked around and goes, sure. (laughs) So... And he, he was, was our witness. He, he was, was smiling. He and we always joke about him going home later and saying to his wife or whatever, "You'll never guess what happened to me in the park today." These are the rights we should not take for granted. Filing joint income tax returns with the IRS and state taxing authorities. Creating a family partnership under federal tax laws, which allows you to divide business income among family members. Inheriting a share of your spouse's estate. Receiving an exemption from both estate taxes and gift taxes for all property you give or leave to your spouse. Creating life estate trusts that are restricted to married couples. Obtaining priority if your spouse needs a conservator, that is, someone to make financial or medical decisions on your spouse's behalf, receiving Social Security, Medicare, and disability benefits for spouses, receiving veterans and military benefits for spouses, such as those for education, medical care, or special loans, receiving public assistance benefits, obtaining insurance benefits through a spouse's employer, taking family leave to care for your spouse during an illness, receiving wages, workers' compensation, and retirement plan benefits for a deceased spouse, taking bereavement leave if your spouse or one of your spouse's close relatives dies, visiting your spouse in a hospital intensive care unit or during restricted visiting hours in other parts of a medical facility, making medical decisions if your spouse becomes incapacitated and unable to express wishes for treatment, consenting to after-death examinations and procedures, making burial or other final arrangements, filing for step-parent or joint adoption, applying for joint foster care rights, receiving a share of marital property if you divorce, receiving spousal or child support, child custody and visitation if you divorce, living in neighborhoods zoned for families only, automatically renewing leases signed by your spouse, receiving family rates for health homeowners, auto and other types of insurance, receiving tuition discounts and permission to use school facilities, other consumer discounts and incentives offered only to married couples or families, suing a third person for wrongful death of your spouse or loss of consortium, suing a third. These are all benefits that we fought for. This is not gay marriage. This is marriage equality. San Francisco started issuing marriage licenses and Gavin Newsom Newsom was allowing marriages to take place. We went down to pick up my son 
actually the first time we didn't, we went down on the 15th of February, they started on the 14th. And by the time we got to San Francisco, it was about 10 o'clock in the morning. And we were told there was a line around three sides of the building and we would never get in that day. We should just go home. And so we tucked our tails between our legs and went and had Italian food in North Beach. Went home, managed to get through a few more days. And then on the 19th of February that year, we went down, picked my son up at school in Ronard Park at about four in the morning. We got down to the city, we were in line and we were the sixth couple in line that day and we were able to go in and get married. Yeah. And that marriage was valid for a couple months (laughs) until they decided that they were no longer valid. Shortly after that, they had taken pictures of a lot of the couples that got married that day or during that time rather. And they put them together in a presentation. That was Jennifer Sukney, activist for many things, but most importantly, marriage equality, talking about her own marriage experience. Desire, the desire for having kids, I think, was there in both of us. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we had either of us a clear path as to how it would happen. The fact that it was a shared value, that family was important, mm-hmm. is what allowed us to have those conversations early on. And, and, I, and then explore, okay, well, how are we actually going to make this happen? And I think we can credit our parents actually for a lot of that because our parents both in different ways, but our parents both showed us that family is important and it's worth. I remember Alice proposed. So Alice and I had a very um, romantic proposal. This is a lie. We did not. Um, <laughs> I could. We, we went shopping for rings when we were talking about getting married with this plan, like, okay, we're just going to get an idea about what the other one likes. Emily, of course, I was very confident that I could find something she would like. And I, on the other hand. Without, like, any input for her. I'm going to I'm gonna knock your socks off. Don't worry about it. Did you? She was like, <laughs> well, well, that's not how it we happened. We had to go shopping because she was very worried that she would not choose something that I would like. <laughs> Alice has very particular tastes. We both do in different ways. So we went to Macy's of all places, which was having a diamond sale. Ooh. Yeah, we were not looking at diamonds. And then we ended up at the diamond counter somehow with this sweet old lady named Rose. And we wound up buying our engagement rings that day. And Alice, we were walking out of the, the mall in San we, Rafael. Yeah. And Alice was like, nobody asked anybody to marry them. Uh, no, I said, did we just get engaged? But nobody actually proposed. yeah i just don't think that there's there's a limit at all to love and that's that's i don't have a religion but if if it were anything i think it would be that i think so too alice and emily o'rourke mills let's hear from melissa fornari from porto alegre brazil no this this idea of coming and asking like what what are you doing here what you know what is it a couple or sisters or you know like people feeling the need of you having to explain to them what you are all the time or or what you're doing or you know what that relationship is so yeah i think it's uh, i agree with you like i would rather just have you know uh, which was my idea actually because like we had this experience one time we went to san francisco and we were just walking around in Castro, and there was this um, 
you know, this group of naked guys. This, uh, <laughs> it was just like a group of guys, older than, much older than us. They were probably in their 60s or, or older even. And they were just naked, wearing like some belts and, you know, or vests or whatever. But everything else was naked. And we were actually looking at the reaction of people walking past them. And some people were just, oh, okay, those naked guys. And, uh, <laughs> and we saw there were some tourists that for them it was really shocking. Um, uh, there was one woman, I think she kind of, you know, like she yelled and she got scared. And then later we went to got co get coffee somewhere and one of the guys was just behind me in line. I was like, oh, hi, you know. So it would be so nice just to have this type of reaction, you know, oh. How's it going? You know, yes. you know. I don't care. I don't want you to explain to me why you're naked or you know what you're doing there. You're just naked there. Okay, it's your deal. You're, it's, you know. So you grew up here, and do you feel like you had an easy time of it? I do. Um, I'm comparing myself to other gay friends that I knew, and even gay friends that moved here from say los angeles and moved out of town and it was pretty different for all of us i'm thinking about this one kid who had <laughs> who was called names he had people talk about him behind his back he was treated kind of poorly to his face but at the same time i was no different from him we were both transgender people did not do anything to me and if they did i didn't see it and i did not care about it I was pretty surprised. I don't know what the determining factor was. Wait a minute. You had to leave your family. Was it because of being transgender? I was treated well by my high school classmates. I was not treated well by my sisters and my parents. They were telling me this was a phase I could grow out of. It was really devastating for a long time. And then on top of that, that really contributed to a lot of mental health issues. And it became so much that I considered grabbing a tent, and a sleeping bag, and a backpack, and running away from home and sleeping in a ditch. Yeah. Let's take a moment to hear from Abraham, who grew up here, and had somewhat the opposite experience of you, felt supported in his family, but really not in the school environment. My name's Abraham, and I grew up here on this unceded Pomo and Yuki tribal territory that we currently know as Fort Bragg. I'm a non-binary person, but I'm comfortable with either they, them, or he, him pronouns because really I want to demonstrate that there's a limitless spectrum of ways to live he, him pronouns. Growing up in Fort Bragg, I suffered bullying all throughout my public schooling. That came both in the form of emotional and physical injury. There's definitely still a white cis het supremacist roughneck element in Fort Bragg, but that cultural tone was much more established and normalized just a lot more accepted when I was young, when the mill was still running and fishing was more robust. Other kids, their parents, and teachers could tell that I was different from early on and many of them weren't kind about it. I was regularly othered and excluded and those traumas put a chip on my shoulder that made it difficult for me to really even recognize kindness when it did come around. Middle school was the hardest period of my young life. I know that's true for a lot of young people. As I mentioned earlier, some of my teachers growing up participated in the bullying I went through. Middle school was where I encountered the worst of that. Some simply failed to do anything when it happened in front of them or was brought to their attention, but others actively bullied me along with my peers. Some of the teachers that behaved most harmfully were so-called PE, physical education teachers. 
I was always one of the smallest boys and had childhood asthma. I never really felt like I had agency in sports. I was always picked last, that kind of classic stuff. Kids were mean about all of that, and all the PE teachers, honestly, that I had in middle school condoned and often reinforced it. PE was also where male teachers, I think, felt most empowered to reinforce cultural gender norms, messaging that was always really hurtful to me because so little of it applied to who I was. I transferred to the Mendocino Community High School in 10th grade, and that switch really just deeply enriched my life, and it probably saved my life. The damage I took for my differentness, though, was deeper and more insidious than I would come to understand for years. I didn't come out as queer until I was 26, and my gender identity, coming to understand that, is very much an ongoing process. I'm also still striving to understand the ways that the toxic culture here hid from me, you know, my true self, and held me back from cultivating some of the most important aspects of myself, and just made me terrified to express myself authentically. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak on your show. This show originated from KZUIX, listener-powered community radio from Mendocino County and beyond. Public radio is truly one of the pillars of democracy, but it is not free. In fact, there are serious expenses associated with bringing shows like this to you. If you feel like helping, you can donate to us by going to www.overstand.earth and looking for Disquiet Media. Or by going to www.kzyx.org and clicking the red Donate Now button. Or by donating to whatever station makes a soundtrack for your day. We thank you. Yes. You are listening to Pride Nation 101. Queer voices, music, opinions, and lives from Highway 101 to the world. Andy, thanks for being with us. You're and welcome, Chad. Can you introduce yourself? Uh, my name's Andy. I was born and raised in the uh, southern Scotland, northeast of England. Ran away from home at 17, left England at 21, and bummed my, bummed my way all over the world. How did you end up in Mendocino County? Christ knows, because this is where I'm meant to be. You know, first time I, uh, I flew into LAX at 21, and my girlfriend had a uncle who lived in Boonville. So I was actually in Boonville at 21, pruning pot. I went to Atlanta for a couple of years and rode across the continent on a bicycle from Georgia, got on a motorbike, rode back across the continent, got on a Subaru, was in Sacramento, then in Elk. I needed a headlight for my car, and full brag had an O'Reilly's Auto Parts, so I sat in O'Reilly's Auto Parts and prayed. My higher power said, go to a meeting, get into AA. So I went to a meeting the next day at the hospitality house, and I've been here every day since, one day at a time. I have no idea how much longer I'm going to be here, but I don't feel like traveling anywhere at the minute with this pandemic going on, and this is a slice of heaven. I mean, it really has to be. Look at the weather, middle of winter. It's beautiful. How long have you been in Fort Bragg for? 2019, like a week before Thanksgiving. So you have used a word that I have not heard in many years, and you call yourself a transvestite. What do you? What does that mean? Um, to me, the LGBTQ, there's to me, there's three T's: transgender, transsexual, transvestite. Transgender is somebody who's 
gone through the operations to change their gender from one to the other. Transsexual is somebody who wants to go through that process. And for me, a transvestite, I just want to change my clothing. It comes out of the Latin to change your vegetables, your clothes. Um, I'm heterosexual male. I like, I prefer women to men. I got no problem with other people's choices. But for me, it's more about um, wearing the fabric, the clothes of the women. I look at you and you dress fabulously. You paint your nails. You're wearing a skirt right now. You're wearing Crocs. But um, <laughs> how long have you been out about cross-dressing? Ultimately, most of my life. I mean, in my late teens, I was a uh, gothic punk in London, which was black nail varnish, black eye makeup, um, fishnets, skirts, uh, hanging out at the Batcave. Then when I lived in Georgia at Athens, I was quite out, outside of work, going to nightclubs and bars and whatnot. But it wasn't until I really came to, um, you know, Northern California, Fort Bragg, you know, a couple of hours from San Francisco, one of the gayest, uh, outest cities in the world, that it was much more acceptable. So now I'm out all the time. You know, I started the red nail varnish uh, two days before I hired on at the food bank. The office manageress actually painted my nails as I was signing my, um, my job application, which I loved. I think it's great. Um, I wear a skirt full-time at work. I can't do miniskirts because I work in a warehouse. It's just not appropriate, you know. I love wearing a miniskirt and high heels, you know. You were telling me the other day about the power of cross-dressing and kind of the history of cross-dressing. Can you talk about that a little more? But I learned a couple of years ago from this book, The Myths and Secrets of Women, about the history of transvestism when... Um, when the spirits and the gods and goddesses were um, primarily a female domain, the men who wanted to get into spirituality had to dress up as females to be accepted into the, the, the spiritual practices and be accepted by the gods and the goddesses. So they would put on female clothing. Apparently, even the thunder god Thor did not get his hammer until he wore some of Freya's dresses. And you felt pretty accepted here? Oh, yes. I've always felt, um, no matter where I've been on this planet, I've always felt accepted. You know, somebody said I'm a monk of the world. No matter where I go, there is, there is, you know, brothers and sisters, cousins from another mother. It's in what I bring to wherever I am that, um, you know, some kind of love or spiritual chi energy that I have. You know, I rode my bicycle across the continent a couple of years ago, and no matter where I went, I'd be sitting in a McDonald's and somebody would come up to me and say, Hey, <laughs> I'm so-and-so. My husband's the chief of police. Can we buy you a hotel room? <laughs> yeah. um, you know, I'm sleeping on the side of the road and somebody calls me in, not because I look like a vagrant. They call me in to make sure I'm okay. The fire department show up and they say, are you okay? I tell them my story and they go, really? Can we take your picture? Are you on Facebook? Can we be friends? <laughs> That's that shit happens to me all the time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, was, it was funny. I was talking to somebody recently and he goes, oh, you know Andy, right? Uh, he, he's, he's that queer guy who, he's a really nice guy, but he's queer. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I do know Andy, but I don't know what he thinks of as queer. <laughs> You know, in that LGBTQ 
LGBTQ acronym. I personally don't know what the queer means. I don't know what that term means to those individuals. I don't personally identify as queer, but I don't really know what the term means to say whether I am or not. <laughs> well, but I don't really know what it means. I got to tell you that when I was a kid, you would fit right into that queer category because I, queer meant from the straight world weird things they did not understand. And it didn't actually have that much to do with, with a person's sexuality. Uh -huh. It was just like, if you're dressing, you're a guy and you're dressing outwardly like a woman, that's pretty queer. That might be true then. I guess I'm queer. <laughs> well, thanks for sharing with us. Oh, you're welcome. No. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations for not being a dick to me. Redacted, redacted. <laughs> well, there. Oh you wait, know. hey Roland, the the mic's live. Oh, okay. Um, in any case, you're listening to Pride Nation 101. That's us, Roland Corey Medina and Chad Swimmer, and we are going to go to a little piece of an interview with Z Barron. My name is Z. I am a queer Chicana, fat-bodied human living in Oakland, California. Like, I came out to my dad before to my mom. And oh. my dad was like, okay, que quieres, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. like okay, like, con que estés feliz. Like, it was not like, did not bat an eye. The man was just like, whatever. Like, you're still my daughter. Toxic masculinity wasn't as much present in my upbringing. Yeah, my dad, I remember him being kind of like a quote-unquote gentle giant when I was little, which really just translated into a lot of stoicism as I got older. He called me hijo really early, talked to me about my transition, was very, maybe not was very accepting is the term to say, but he was definitely more on it than my mother <laughs> thinking about it. You know, like, I have said this before and I stand by this statement. Women are the upholders of patriarchy. All of the isms, white supremacy, racism, you know, usually squared on cis women's shoulders because they are the ones who have who have been raising children. Um, the way that children are traumatized and I think raised and abused in many in many um, households often stems from a mother, a mother wound, whether a mom is super involved or not involved in the messages that they hand down to their children. Cause oftentimes the mothers are the ones who are expected to spend most time with the children. And so a lot of what we are hearing comes from our moms and you have like generations of wounded people walking around because their moms are wounded and their grandmothers are wounded. Like it's a generational trauma, but, but I feel that. Yeah, I know a hundred percent where you're coming from. It's crazy thinking about it. Like I have this very long, lineage of women being so yeah wounded because their mothers were wounded their grandmothers were wounded it's, it's tough to break that cycle really tough it's very humbling when you become a parent if you become a parent it's very humbling to dissect the triggers that you have <laughs> circling back to like where we started like wanting to change my body like in a mexican household there are expectations of what you're supposed to look like there are expectations, um, especially for for girl children, um, of how you're supposed to behave and how quickly you're supposed to grow up. And 
I very early on was considered fat. I was just considered big. Da gorda, la gorda, la gorda. And in hindsight, like looking at pictures of myself as a child, I'm like, de donde? Like I was such a like scrawny child. But in comparison to my sisters who were scrawnier, I got the like, you're fat. And my mom also is la gorda in her family. And when you look at pictures of her at her heaviest, like there's a picture of her six months pregnant with me. And she is a size nine, a size nine. Like you can't see the bump anywhere, but because her wow. sisters were both like a three and a two, she was huge. And that's like perspective. But when you're like a child and you're being told you're fat, you take on all of the negative connotations of what that word has in our society. By the time I was nine, my mom had me on SlimFast. Like oh. I, my mom was trying to get me to lose weight actively when I was nine years old. And that was my life from nine to 13. I started my period at 10. So I started growing hips and growing boobs. And like, not only then was I fat, I had a curves to my body. You are listening to the September medley of Pride Nation 101. Highlights and outtakes from our first nine episodes, as well as some songs recommended by our guests. We are going to Diane Patterson and Sheba Love. I guess I, what comes to mind for me is people tell me these songs I write and carry uh, make a difference for them. And that's what keeps me. I think that's really what keeps me being a, a musician, traveling musician, is that kind of feedback. And so I see that. I keep seeing that through my life. Oh, yeah. E yeah, easy for me. I mean, when I was young, growing up in St. Louis, I didn't know what gay was. I knew I was attracted to my girlfriends. I knew that if I dressed more like a boy, girls looked at me more. <laughs> but um, it wasn't until my friend and I were asked on a double date, and we were underage. I was probably 15. But they took us to a gay bar over across the river in Illinois, and it was on. Then, then I, 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 I knew what was happening, yeah. and I knew what was going on. But, um, you know, disco music gay bar music, voguing, all that was such a big part of my life. And then I ran away with the Grateful Dead. So the music scene, I mean, yeah, dancing and music has been vivid and and what I would call my upbringing, my recovery from a Republican straight household. Huh. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, music saved me. Let's get back to our interview. This is Pride Nation 101, and we of course. originally were thinking of calling it Queer Nation 101, but uh, Queer Nation kind of refers to an old slur, and some of us have taken it on in a prideful way. But overall, we want everybody to be feel prideful about who they are. Yes, of course. And obviously, that means people on the LGBTQIA plus side of things, which brings the question of what Roland just said, my wife. What am I, some cis white dude, doing 
with this show. Yeah, what are you doing, Chad Swimmer? Well, now, wait one second here. Does everybody know the definition of cis here? I don't know. Are we talking about my sister? No. You know what? I don't think we are talking about your sister. What are we talking about? I think we should ask Google. Hold on a second. Google, please define cisgender. Cisgender, sometimes cissexual, or shortened to cis, describes a person whose gender identity is the same as their sex assigned at birth. The word cisgender is the antonym of transgender. There we go. Thank you, Google. Oh, man. Well, should I do it right now? I would say yes. Should I come out on the radio? Yes, please. If you're willing, if you feel safe. <laughs> oh, well, I'm on the radio, so yes. Some of you guys knew me a long, 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 long time ago in Mendocino County when I used to hang around the cookie company in Mendo and was dating the guy on the other side of the counter. And when I walked up and down the streets dating guys and when I got in fights with my previous best friends over the fact that I was queer. Wow, dump them. <laughs> I did dump them, actually, after one yelling match in front of the Mendocino Cafe that was really ugly. But I also realized at some point that um, queer is a big box, and I stood in one corner of it. And that one corner involved what, at the time, I called being bi bisexual yeah. and i also realized that i was an emotionally fragile person so non-monogamy was not a very healthy thing for me right and so when i ended up well i said bye now i realize that maybe pansexual or pan queer to confuse people who aren't familiar with the panoply of terms that we use now of course might be a better way to describe myself as if a human needs to be defined Wait, I think we need a definition here. Google, identify pansexuality. Google definition. Pansexuality is the romantic, emotional, and or sexual attraction to people regardless of their gender. Like everyone else, pansexual people may be attracted to some people and not others, but the gender of the person does not matter. People of any gender identity can and do identify as pansexual. Thank you, Google. Let's get back to our conversation. Trinity United Church of Christ, Jeremiah Wright, fierce, fierce warrior intelligent. That's why he was. Uh, we were attending church at the same time, I'm sure. I think the Obamas went to the earlier service. I think they attended the 8 o'clock service. It's possible that they could have attended the 10 o'clock, but I attended the 10 o'clock service. Were there many gay people there? You know, I don't know how many gay people there, but I'm assuming there were gay people there. Were they out gay people there? I was out going there. I mean, I do recall a friend of mine um, who attended the same church at the same time um, asking me one Sunday if I had gone to church that Sunday. And that particular Sunday, I had not. And um, she said the sermon subject was being gay is being okay. So they have it. Oh, yeah. What what year do you think that was? Uh, so that would have been anywhere between 89 and 92. That's when I attended. Yeah. I know, right? Being gay is being okay. I love that. Yeah. And I sure hate it that I missed that sermon that Sunday. Uh-huh. Crazy. Crazy. Well, you know, the Reverend was accused of being all kinds of crazy things subversive, radical, et cetera, et cetera. What's your take? 
you know, I don't like sound bites. So the thing was, you got a lot of sound bites of things that that minister would talk about, and they pick things that would make him sound like, you know, the worst person ever, racist or whatever. And um, I don't agree with that. I agree you need to set through the entire sermon to hear what he had to say. It is no mistake that the United Church of Christ is made up predominantly of white people. His church has the most people at any of the churches, and it's only made up of 5% black people, yet he would have people visiting from all the other United Churches of Christ on a regular basis from around the country to see and visit to see what you're talking about, but to visit our church all the time. Wow. So he was doing something right. He was doing something that um, people thought was um, healthy. Yeah. How many people were usually in attendance? Well, when I was going to that church, it was at a smaller location. And so, I mean, you probably have four or 500 people. Yeah. In each service, there were three services each Sunday. Now the church, and he's no longer the minister, but the church still exists, and it's a much larger church. I mean, you can fit, he can probably fit up to maybe a thousand people in his church now. That's like a rock star. Pretty fierce. Yeah. How did you feel when you left the service? Uplifted. He was fabulous. I am not even kidding you. It was in my early sobriety, and so I needed for some reason at that time, I seemingly needed to hear what a person like him had to say. It was important for me. Yeah. Very important. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the motto of his church at that time was unashamedly black and unapologetically Christian. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And people have a hard time with that, you see. People have a hard time in this country when black people are proud to be black people. They immediately want to say that they're like anti, and that is not true. That is not true. All other races in this country can come here and be proud, just get here, cross the waters, come here, illegal, whatever, come here trying to find their way, and everyone is all supportive, and you know they're doing what they should be doing. They come to for a better life, blah, 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 right? The African-American in this country who only knows America to be his home still gets ostracized, um, uses a scapegoat, marginalized, you know, all these things, especially if they are proud of who they are. Yeah. People need to think about that. Uh-huh. We all Because this is our home. We don't know any place else to go. Even the best of them. We can't go back. Thank you for spending the last hour with us. Roland Corey Medina and Chad Swimmer here on Pride Nation 101. We'd like to thank all the guests who have been with us for the last nine months sharing all their wisdom and lore. We would also like to thank Alicia Bales and KZYX for their support in making this show happen. And we want to hear from you, what you liked, what you didn't like. Wait, we, do we really want to hear that? Anything you want to hear us delve into on our future show, email us at pridenation101radio at gmail.com. 
Follow us on Instagram at Pride Nation 101 Radio. We are posting occasionally. And of course, the views and opinions expressed are not necessarily those of the staff or management of any station that airs Pride Nation 101. Only those of ourselves and our guests. See you next month. See you next month. This has been a production of Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. KZYX, Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. You can find more content like this on our website at kzyx.org and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thank you for listening.